Welcome to the AC Podcast with John Gailey, the longest-running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. This episode is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers and ambulatory healthcare strategies, the nation's leading regulatory compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 139 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for September 27th, 2021, recording live from the Hilton Polaris in Columbus, Ohio, and the Ohio Association of Ambulatory Surgery Center's annual conference. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Joining me is John Gailey, the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies and recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. Mr. Gailey is the author of over 10 books on the ASC industry and a frequent industry speaker on regulatory accreditation and finance issues. And our special guests today are Judy D'Ambrosio, Director of Educational Services and Senior Consultant at Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, and Mike D'Ambrosio, Senior Consultant also with Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Welcome. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, the listeners probably noticed that you had the same last name. Yeah, so it, this is so weird. We're here in Ohio for uh, the, the annual conference, and we decided to send two couples down because we are too cheap to get more than, more two, than two hotel rooms. rooms. So that, that was cost my savings. Cost yes. savings. <laughs> the cost savings. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I want to uh, welcome you on board. Now, you've been a guest on the podcast a number of times because uh, you've been with Judy, obviously, for a long time. And, um, a couple years. Yeah, and, a little over 25. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> a little over 25. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, you know, often you come to the, um, the retreats with us. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but now you are officially an employee of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies and officially retired from J&J, correct? Correct. Uh, uh, thanks, John. First of all, uh, looking forward to learning this industry a, a little more, coming from medical device, over yep. 25 years of uh, medical device experience uh, with J&J, uh, with uh, orthoclinical diagnostics. The regulatory part of this industry is extremely intensive, uh, much more rapidly changing, uh, uh-huh. so I'm looking forward to getting down and and dirty with the uh, with the regs. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Down and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on dirty. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, of course, uh, we've been talking we're here at the conference, and this is our first time in almost two years. Um, the last conference we did together, so we did a conference out in Texas. Remember for the uh, nursing leadership conference. Uh, I think it was in February of 2020, just before the lockdown. I know you're looking at me like, did we really? It it does. It seems (laughs) so long ago. And uh, that was the last live conference we did. We haven't done one of the state association meetings in over, in, in two years, Mm -hmm. um, you know, live. So it's great. So I was in Texas last week. We're in Ohio right now. And all all four of us are heading out to New York. We're going to have, be in force in New York. I think we have eight people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but what's important to kind of note here is that ambulatory healthcare strategies has doubled in size. Uh, during the pandemic. Of course, we're a family-owned, family-run business, even though, you know, Judy and 
Mike, you're not officially members of our family. It's like we've been friends for so long. Yeah, predating but I got our here time. first. That's right. But I you got here yes. first. Employee number one employee and number one. co-host number, number one. one. You're right. Yeah. So uh, many people are probably listening and saying, I recognize that voice if they <laughs> were crazy enough. Yeah, they go back and uh, listen to uh, episode one yeah. through whatever it was. Yeah, and they said, Sue's a captive audience. She's always there. <laughs> so I'll just have her talk. <laughs> but it is great to be here. It's great to be. We have this uh, kind of mini studio, which is actually the store room at the Ohio mm-hmm. conference. So uh, in the background, you might actually hear the light there. So we're recording this while one of the sessions is going on. And we tried, Mike tried to turn the volume down as low as it would go, but yeah. uh, it might be hearing that in the background. We might be interrupted here, but actually I, I'm really grateful for the Ohio mm-hmm. Association for giving us this yes. one room. That's It's very nice of them. So let me just talk a little bit about what's been happening with conferences lately, because uh, I was in Texas last week. We're going to do a special episode from Texas. I'm going to apologize right up front. The recording quality is very poor. We weren't able to send the entire um, studio down there, so we used one of those handheld mics that goes uh, that attaches to my iPhone, which you know doesn't work quite as well. But we had a, a great conference. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes, some of the things that came out of it. And then uh, here we're in Ohio for another two-day conference. We're recording actually during the day the, the, the part of the conference we were talking about infection control. It's interesting. It, it, we walked around. All of you walked around and uh, saw all the vendors. Uh, any observations about some of the vendors or anything that you, you kind of saw as you're walking around? I know, Sue, you're always looking for Mike things and to I take found, home for the kids. But. Yes. My, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike and I found one interesting around the corner from us, and it's a vendor I've never seen before. And I've been to several. I mean, mm-hmm. not lately, certainly, but I've been to several of these. Yeah. And do you remember what, I apologize, because I don't remember what they were called, but their whole thing was PPE. They're just. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, they, uh, they had a, a great display set up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously the importance of PPE mm-hmm. in this pandemic era is paramount. Uh, and uh, th- they had a array of products uh, uh, for ambulatory surgical uh, as well as other. You know, the disinfecting mm-hmm. wipes and all yeah. that. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, yeah. I mean, it's amazing the kind of. Um, industries that became just came into being because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, you know yep. that. I I also uh, having not been to conventions in quite a while, but in, in conferences, but I found it interesting. There seemed to have been a little bit of excitement about people being live again. Mm. Um, yeah, you know there yeah. there, uh, there seemed to be a little bit uh, you know behind the mask smiles. Uh, right. Uh, the uh, <laughs> yeah. you know people actually meeting one on one and, and interacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, we were actually just talking about it as we've been meeting people here um, that the virtual is fine. And, you know, and I think anybody that's listened to our virtual conferences know we do things very differently than everybody else. And, and we're going to continue doing that because the virtual conferences, uh, I mean, one of the challenges about live conference, not everybody can go. And when we look at the attendance in Texas and here in Ohio, I have talked to the, you know, the, the membership people and they've said that the attendance is way down. Uh, well, down, not way down necessarily. Um, but it's not just that people actually, it doesn't seem like it's that people are hesitant to come out because of COVID. It's just they're so darn busy right now and staffing um, is really low. And I think that uh, that's what's really starting to cause some of the the, uh, the, the problems that, uh, you know, people just can't get away for two days to, to do this sort of thing. That's true. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Isn't there a, um, one of the sessions tomorrow is how to deal with yeah. all of the staffing mm-hmm. issues and how that may get worse before it gets better. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about almost an elephant in the room right now. The whole issue of vaccine mandates, of course, has come up since the last episode. 
And I, we need to go on record. You know, as a company, we feel very strongly about vaccines. I'm not going to say we feel strongly about the vaccine mandate, but we feel very strongly that the vaccine is uh, an incredible, uh, incredible thing. I encourage everybody to get, you know, vaccinated. You know, I understand the reasons for that, but, um, but my concern uh, right now, as we watch what's going on at the federal and state level, is what the ramifications are going to be for businesses long term. Mm-hmm. I've always felt, and again, now now this is going to sound political, I've always felt that you can get a lot further by encouraging people with good information to get vaccinated instead of like saying, you have to do it and therefore, you know, forcing them to do it because, you know, there's always going to be that population. I think we have children that are like this, you know, that, you know, resist growing up. My, now all of our children, of course, work for us now. So they, 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 they get in. They're the ones that are saying we need a mandate. Um, but I think that, you know, the more you push somebody and tell them they have to do it or they're going to be penalized, the more they're going to fight back. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can give them great evidence, you know, we have one, one of our nurse managers, for example, um, wants to become pregnant and, you know, she's been resistant to the vaccination for a while. And then, you know, there was some information out there that indicated that there might be a problem for people that are that want to become pregnant and jenna uh, did a fantastic job of researching this information she went way above and beyond what you need to do in order to uh, you know to work with somebody on it because it's not really our job to convince mm-hmm. people to get vaccinated and uh, and she provided all this information and, and the woman decided to get vaccinated after that that's the way this should be done. I do and think there's a lot of good information out there. there I will is, say. I mean, yeah. I think people really. You, you do have to look for it, though, right? So, right. I mean, you you do a lot. I mean, as the chief researcher, <laughs> you spend a lot of time, you know, looking into it. But it's not always easy to find. I mean, you and you're frustrated. We have these, you know, we have no ongoing conversations about you know our family anymore. It's really about. <laughs> About everything related to, uh, well, grandchildren maybe, but um, <laughs> but everything related to, you know, vaccinations yeah. and all the stuff. That's I mean, to get out. exact data and to know exactly how much at risk, how, how many people are getting sick after they've been vaccinated, yeah. how serious it is. Those statistics, I think, can be hard to come by. But I, I think the evidence is pretty clear that, you know, it's beneficial to get yeah. vaccinated. I so I, I, don't, I don't think The story you tell yeah. is actually more of a, is a nice, is a nice representative of Jenna. Yeah, mm-hmm. how she took time out of her personal life because yeah. when you're one of our clients, you're not really a client. You're someone yeah. we actually care for personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so she's we become friends with our clients. Where mm-hmm. it's important that they trust us. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. and some sometimes we may be the only voice of reason yeah. they mm-hmm. have. You know, because there's so much misinformation. Well, yeah. and, and yeah. to take that that step further, that's the problem with the public dialogue. Everything is so political, and nobody trusts politicians. We know that. So why are the politicians out there fighting? Mm-hmm. I want to see the doctors out there. But that's yeah. on the doctor. I mean, the politicians. I think, and I know this is a disagreement we sometimes yeah. have, yeah. but because I think. Everybody should be out there saying what they yeah. believe. So if, you know, the politicians are saying it, the doctors can still say it, and I think some do. Yeah. You know, I think their voices are being drowned doctor. out, though. I think you, you yeah. point out, I think one of the best ways people uh, are going to be persuaded is through people they trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think getting the message out uh, through a trusted source yeah. is really the, yeah. the key. Yeah. There was something I did through that that I started taking this course. I forget what it, but it was through New York through, State. Yeah, it was through um, New York State and through Cornell that gave information about the vaccinations, about the um, pandemic, all of this kind of thing. To it was directed at lay people so that you could kind of be that voice of reason in your neighborhood. I think that was a really good effort because it was meant to be for lay people that mm-hmm. could, as they're talking to their neighbors, 
they could counteract some of this false um, information that was out there. But I think the interesting thing about the vaccination mandate and the concern that I have isn't even so much for those of us in healthcare, because I think we're all accepting that really every, I mean, hopefully everybody is starting to accept the fact that everybody needs to get vaccinated in healthcare. But if we do have a national mandate for all companies, I know one of the proposals out there is anybody that employs over 100 people will have to require vaccinations for all their employees. Um, my concern with that is the downstream effect. We, when we were in Texas, we were talking about this a little bit, but, um, you know, we have a lot of suppliers, big suppliers. One of the things that was mentioned in Texas uh, by uh, one of the distributors is that the warehouses are having a hard time finding employees Mm -hmm. before the mandate. You know, people don't want to necessarily go back to work. A lot of people are retiring that are older that work in this place. You know, and, and somebody pointed out, who wants to work in a warehouse lifting heavy stuff, moving mm-hmm. around with all this, when you yeah. can be flipping burgers, you know, for the same dollar amount? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I personally probably would be preferred to work in a warehouse, but not everybody has that attitude. Um and I think, uh, so they're finding a hard time finding employees, delivery drivers, truck drivers, uh, people that are involved in the delivery, uh, apparently are suffering significant. We've heard about this with truck drivers. And I think yeah. one of the other issues with bus truck drivers, drivers too. And bus drivers, yes. right. Um, there's been a huge decrease in the number of people that are available, which is causing supply chain. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned in Texas is, uh, if your delivery uh, service, in other words, your medical products are being delivered by FedEx or any of the major overnight, um, as you go into the fourth quarter with Christmas, because it's going to be a pretty successful Christmas, they're predicting, um, because there's like lots of money out there, you know, through the pandemic and all the, you know, people that are getting paid for unemployment, et cetera. They believe Christmas is going to be actually a pretty good Christmas this year. All of those delivery companies are going to be delivering, you know, Amazon, um, FedEx, uh, the U.S. Postal Service. They're going to be delivering that, which is going to put real delays. I mean, they'll still get the deliveries, but there'll be real delays in this. Uh, so be careful and, uh, you know, keep an eye out for uh, truck deliveries. Like the major distributors tend to have their own trucking companies. But expect, I, I got to tell you, I think a lot of places are relying on Amazon now for delivery. So um, expect some, you know, challenges there on the supply side. But I think we have to, I just want to talk Talk a little bit about that. Just think about some of the, the suppliers that we have that might be affected by a national mandate. We know during the pandemic, we had a lot of problems with construction. We had a lot of problems with, you know, repairs, getting people to do equipment, uh, maintenance, things like that. You worked on the medical device side, of course, just getting anybody. I'm sorry. I, I realized that even though I'm pointing to Mike, yes. nobody can <laughs> see me say that. So, Mike, <laughs> um, were you seeing at J&J any issues on the supply chain? Of course, you, you left about the time that, I mean. Certainly, certainly we were seeing uh, delays coming uh, with certain key components yeah. uh, for manufacturing. Delays, uh, we were seeing delays in bottles. Uh, vaccine yeah. was obviously a priority. Mm-hmm. So we were seeing uh, particular specialty glass for some of our calibrators and controls yeah. that were uh, were delayed. Production schedules were actually changed, uh, especially in the first and second quarter of this year, yeah. uh, just because of that inability to get Key raw materials shortages right. and and diverting to uh, you know to, to other sources. So yes. yeah, that was a big uh, comment that was made also in Texas is that raw materials are going to be in short supply as we move on because of the difficulty in transporting it, uh, especially if it's coming from um, you know other countries that are coming by boat. Uh, I guess we're having issues at the ports. But uh, yeah, John, you bring up a good point. You know, between between COVID 
uh, and, and lack of uh, skilled labor to unload the, yeah. the container ships. There's also just a huge backlog, and that just creates a ripple effect right. with delivery, you know, especially from Asia. Uh, well, so there's now also these an issue COVID the, mandates are just going to add to our ripple. That's right. You know, that's which right. is going to make it. And I think yeah. the takeaway here is just be prepared for for this. Be prepared, and then if the man, you know, we're already finding in New York, um, the the uh, governor of New York has already said that she's preparing to bring in the National Guard. I saw that, and nurses mm-hmm. from out of state in order to take care of what they expect to be a, a twenty up to twenty percent shortage of employees. But now that we have mandates on the federal level, will there be? I know, I doubt other. Will out there of be state. other states that have healthcare people to spare? Well, I wouldn't, I mean, so let's, let's talk about that for a second because some of the states like New York had their mandate actually doesn't include a religious exemption. Now that's been stayed for now, at least until uh, mid October. Right. Um, so we, a judge has basically said you have to accept these things until we settle this issue in mid October. Um, but that type of, uh, the religious exemption, which would open up the ability for a bunch of people, more people to uh, exempt out of uh, of that requirement, that is in existence on the national level. Or we, if the proposal would include a, a, religious, a religious exemption, exemption. up, up okay. there, um, so I. Th- but that, that's going to be interesting to see how people, you know, who have a choice, who can move between states. You know, we know in in New York, for example, people in the tri-state area, they'll just go across the border and work in Connecticut, work in Connecticut, or work in Jersey, right. or you know, where people <clears throat> where we're from in Rochester. You know, it's not like you're going to drive that almost two and a half hours. Right. We, we can't get into Canada anyway, so you can't yeah, get a job right. there. Um, yeah, there are people that have options. So I think we just have to start developing some contingency plans as to what you're going to do. You know, if you're, you know, obviously if your clinical people are are, uh, are reduced, we might have to cut down a number of rooms. But, it, but you know, I've been preaching for years. Sounds funny for a minister to talk about preaching. But, yes, I've been preaching for years the importance of keeping your inventory levels now, uh, down. And now we learn that that this is not the environment. Yeah. You know, open up another storage room. You know, turn the administrator's office, half the administrator's office, into a storeroom, and yeah, you know, the just-in-time stuff that works very well from a, from a financial, financial. standpoint mm-hmm. is probably not where you want to work right with now. Right, right now, right now, it's going to be okay. Hoard what you have, especially you know. PPE too. Especially exactly. PPE. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, your inability to start up. I did want to bring something up. We keep having to say this, um, but uh, it is still happening, Judy. I know you've had a couple issues, even with some of your clients is that uh, people are not wearing N95s properly again, or, or still. Um, and I know, Mike, as you, you are becoming our, or will become, our, and, and already partially uh, our expert in uh, OSHA, but... Uh, yeah, in yeah. order to wear an N95, they have to be properly fitted and, and uh, tested. Uh, right. And then and you can't just pro- throw them on. And use yeah. that brand. I mean, I right, think that, right. that's yeah. where I had a problem. Oh, but they've been fit tested. Oh, yeah, we don't use that one anymore because the supply, we can't get that supply, so we're using this one. Okay, that's great that you got some. Now they have to be fit tested for this one. And you have to keep that documentation Mm -hmm. because if somebody asks, if you don't have a document and it didn't happen. Well, but and it's not terribly difficult to do. It's just that you have to. It's irritating right. time consuming, yes. consuming yes. And, and I understand that. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Uh, Sue, three. you fit tested like two people already in the company. One. 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 Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just you. <laughs> just a, pretty much. Just a little you. bit of exaggeration there. <laughs> so we have one person. But it was very easy. Yeah, yes. it was. And, yeah. So and anybody that's had it done is you yeah. Know, I used to have it done very in my hospital days. To Mike, to your point, what we're actually finding the biggest violation right now isn't even so much the fit testing, though we are getting people that are forgetting that they have to do it annually, um, but not changing the mask after between patients. Between patients, how does yeah. that happen? You know, I, I know. It's interesting you should bring that up because you know somebody. Oh, is this new 
that, you know, now we have to change it. No, no. I mean, the requirement has always been there that you, if you are in the procedure room, in an operating room, it doesn't matter what mask you've got on, you've You're got to change it. it Although, wasn't there procedures. a time at the beginning of COVID when things were bad and, and we there, were scrambling because we didn't know what yeah. to do, that it, there it, was it, an there exemption to reuse them? And, yeah. and there were people working on re-sterilization of yeah. Yeah. N95s, yeah. et cetera. During That's the, over. Acute well, shortage. But <laughs> truthfully, yeah. during the pandemic, you still had to change your mask. I mean, even more so. Yeah. Uh, during the pandemic because, you know, the droplets on it, you know, all yeah. that. that. So, but it was, you know, you could put a mask over your N95 or your KN95. Now we're really kind of beyond that that whole thing. But I just wanted to get that out there. Maybe that's where the confusion out. came from. Or Is people didn't think about back? it. If yeah. it's just a little surgical mask, you know, you take it off, you throw it out. They don't cost, any, you know, much I of know. anything. So maybe nobody really thought about it. Now they're thinking, wait a minute, I don't want to spend all that money. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and that's it. It's, it's a significant cost. Uh, increase if you're if you're going to ninety mm-hmm. fives and yeah, yeah. versus yeah. well and do remember too that there is no re- regulatory requirement that you have to wear an N ninety five there's no regulatory requirement that you have to wear anything other than a surgical mask and there's really not even a, a requirement as to a specific type of mask most of the times that is a policy issue that you have adopted in your organization so okay, be but very for careful. those of us in New York State that just enacted the Hero Act if your respiratory prevention policy now that you enacted because of the HERO Act mm-hmm. says that you're going to use them in these areas. Well, now there is a right. regulatory yeah. reason that you have to use them. Well, but again, you're following your own policy. So be careful with your policy. Some people have implemented your requirement that you do N95s without realizing that they were going to be almost instantly, you know, very That's soon right. yeah. doing yeah. a requirement. But you have to, in a, this is an individual decision. You work with your doctors to decide whether an N95 is appropriate or necessary. And, and uh, But make sure you follow your policy because that's what we as surveyors are going to do when we come in. We're going to be looking to make sure you follow the policy. We're not going to say that you have to wear an N95, but if you say that you're going to wear an N95, you got to do Better it. You got to do it right. Yeah. It's almost like not back yourself into a corner right. if, mm-hmm. if, uh, if not needed. Yeah. I I'd still want to continue talking a little bit about the uh, supply chain issues because uh, we've been talking about making sure that the inventory levels stay high that expect. So I'm a kind of a minor prepper, you know, I, not not that not an end of the world prepper, but somebody that, you know, especially being in Texas, because there was a lot of conversation in Texas about what happened with the major storms, the loss of power, oh. et cetera. And uh, so I've been listening to some of the prepper, you know, prepper stuff, you know, about what you do for power, what you should be stocking up on in your house. And I think... Um, just listening to the people there and the types of, of uh, challenges that they had uh, made me start thinking again about prepping um, from a surgery center standpoint and stocking up on various things to be ready for it. So, again, we talked about, you know, making sure we have plenty of PPE, we talked about, you know, raw materials going down. The other part of this uh, and we're actually going to do an interview later, you know, with one of the attendees here about being prepared for even an emergency like losing your coding person. You know, yeah. I mean, as silly as that sounds like, oh, I have to have an emergency procedure. Yeah. I mean, because think about, you know, any any one of your employees, you know, being out probably could, you know, potentially cause a problem depending upon the, the ability to replace them. But I, I think you need to think ahead, you know, what types of supplies uh, might be in short supply in the future. You know, think about what would happen if all of your gowns come from, you know, China. And that's a PP we've already talked about. But, you know, you know, what would happen if all of your packs are coming from one particular location? You can't get it to you. Mm-hmm. So have backup plans. Not only should you have a plan as to, you know, to, to build up in the supplies, but a plan as to what you do if you can't get a hold of something. 
interestingly, during the pandemic, I have not seen any major problems with drugs. And we've had some drugs that are on back order, et cetera, and that are short supply, um, but n- not to the extent that I expected. Uh, however, I do expect that that's going to be an ongoing problem. So keep an eye on on those supplies and, and have some type of a backup plan for it. Um, again, continue to talk a little bit about Texas and some of the things. I, I attended one session on emergency preparedness. So uh, a couple of the uh, – uh, they had this panel discussion where a bunch of uh, administrators talked about their individual personal experience with uh, what happened during the uh, the rolling blackouts. And a couple of interesting things came up. And, Mike, you probably appreciate this one. They we were talking about generators. And what was happening in Texas is that the power would go off, come back on, go off, come back on again. And the problem with that is every time it happened, all of that equipment that you have, especially oh. computer equipment, so some people you know lost servers, lost computers, uh, not lost, yeah. but you know what I mean, is that they, yeah. they broke down because they were no longer able to take those surges. And um, somebody pointed out, this was important, is that they literally turned their generator off because they knew that with the rolling blackouts and the fact that mm-hmm. the power was going up and down, they Better were not open. Off, right? Yeah, they were yeah. they were not open, so they didn't need that backup power. And the stress that it was putting on the generator by constantly coming on, going off, and things like that was uh, was not very good for it. So uh, something to think about if you're going to be out of business, and you know because of you know not being able to get stable you know power to the place, consider turning your generator off yeah. so you're not putting it through that stress. Think through because uh, yeah. surges are you know uh, pretty damaging. Will, will yeah. damage. Yeah, and uh, another thing that happened in Texas too is many of the suppliers. We know that this is something you got to be cognizant of. They could not get diesel fuel um, right away, so they were running low on diesel fuel. And even those that thought that they had an arrangement with a, you know, I mean, you might have an arrangement to have diesel fuel uh, delivered, but not always where they the diesel, you know, fuel. Delivery companies able to actually uh, meet yeah, up your with supplier them. has a supplier of their own. That's right. You know, so and, you're you're kind of far down that totem pole, and yeah. they're going to prioritize. Oh, mm-hmm. tell me about it. Right. And another thing that was discussed is that while some organizations were prioritized during the power problems in in uh, in Texas, um, you know, you want to prioritize those organizations that have ventilators, for example. And usually, surgery centers are not on that list. Um, so they, uh, the state association down there, was talking about getting together with you know emergency preparedness leaders and saying, "Can you put surgery centers on that list so that they can continue doing the things that we need to do?" This I'm very passionate about this, and I know all of us in the company are, that this whole terminology during the pandemic of um, elective versus oh. non-elective surgery, I don't believe there is such a thing. Either I, do I. Yeah. I didn't then either. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I, I'm hoping that people are starting to understand that if it's truly elective, that means that, you know, it's like a plastic surgery yeah. case in my view. That, I need that's a true. nose job. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But that's pretty much all I can think of. Yeah. And and, and, and we, we already, and all yeah, we, so we're hard. already seeing that. We've seen that in some of our New York City. Oh, we know facilities. that personally. Mike's still waiting for surgery that he had scheduled prior yeah. Yeah. to the pandemic that we still haven't had. Is that yeah. the brain replacement? Yeah, that was exactly that yeah, his lobotomy. <laughs> that would be the lobotomy that she has <laughs> scheduled for me. Stop. Um, yeah, I, I, that bothered me then. I, yeah. under, I understood it. Yeah. Like I got it. Yeah, but but then it got tough. to a point where you kept hearing from people that said, "Well, I can't have that. You know, yeah. I, I can't yeah. have my kidney stone removed. So yeah. I'm going to live in this pain because they consider that elective." And I'm like, "How? Yeah. How is anything elective yeah. that isn't, you know, eyebrow tattoos or a right. nose job?" Mm-hmm. 
Now, one of the uh, the uh, more interesting conversations is somebody mentioned that they they lost a lot of medical records during the pandemic. This will probably be interesting to you, Judy, since you're uh, you're finishing up a master's degree in uh, medical record. What what is your degree going to? When I come out, I will be a registered health information administrator, which means I can be a medical record consultant. Right, right. Um, So I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, you're going to find this interesting. So I thought we had already gotten people to understand that you probably shouldn't be storing medical records in the basement on the bottom shelf. Haven't we told everybody (laughs) that by now? Oh, make yeah. me crazy. And that was crazy before I ever started school. That still made me crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, please. And I even, uh, I did a survey recently where I walked in in the, uh, you know, sprinkler room. There was no protection in case the sprinklers went off for the medical records. So this one center talked about how they, um, you know, had to, you know, let the every single one of the medical records dry. And then they had to try to figure out how to separate it out. And oh, my God. A oh, lot a, of damage. Had to throw a lot of, it was a nightmare. So, uh, you know, just think constantly of, you know, what would happen if you were, you know, flooded. I mean, there's no, no longer can we say that, oh, the chance of that happening to me is, mm-hmm. you know, next to nothing. Well, and we had talked about the one center that we worked with for a little while that um, had a fire and yeah. the fire didn't do so much damage, but the, the sprinklers, sprinklers, the sprinklers did it. Yeah. 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 That's what usually happens. It, the yeah. sprinklers, uh, uh, you know, well, well, yeah, that place also had extensive mold. That's what I've been telling the people After, in Texas yeah. is that, yeah, you're not through it yet. You might have some problems uh, longer term with um, mold and mildew. Um, mm-hmm. in your center. So when, when the, after the water's been dried up, you might still have other issues. You know, the last thing that came out of Texas, which I thought was interesting and this is very personal to all of us, or at least in our company, an interesting conversation about outsourcing. You know, we know as a company, of course, during the pandemic, our company, as we've already mentioned, doubled in size. And one of the reasons for that is people literally have decided, I'm going to outsource my regulatory compliance oversight because I just can't do it. You know, it could be various reasons. First of all, there's just so much coming down the pike and I can't keep on top of it. Second reason is I'm too busy doing other things. You know, I'm, I've got to worry about, you know, fit testing. i got to worry about covering yeah, how many of our administrators people. or our nurse managers are actually floor nurses now? Yeah. Like, I, I, I have two hours on Fridays yeah. where yeah. I can do administrative because I'm a staff nurse. And I think with the staffing, this is, that's going to also get worse yeah. before it gets better. What they were talking about in Texas, we talk about regulatory outsourcing, of course, but there's all these other types of outsourcing. You know, if you can't get an accountant anymore because they've retired or decided, you know, outsourcing your accounting. And one of the things that we have talked about a lot in our company that, you know, the, the, the beauty of outsourcing regulatory compliance is nurse manager leaves judy's just working on sundays um yeah <laughs> you, you know what i mean is yeah, that that's, that's you know i'll sleep when i'm dead <laughs> that's right no i and and i think that's the beauty of outsourcing is that hopefully you're hiring a company that has more than one employee so you know they can cover you during that time you know and we've had to do that yeah well and management companies are hiring us now because you know management company might only have three people you know, in their, their oversight, you know, mm-hmm. we got 17. Can you believe that? That you yeah, just said 17. that out loud in a sentence? As employee number Remember one. Remember when yeah. it was just you and I? Yeah. There were 17 of yeah. us. Amazing. Yeah. Makes for very interesting Amazing. retreats. So Way more fun. Definitely think about outsourcing different aspects in your organization. Yeah, not just the things we do, but you're right. There's all sorts of things that 
yeah. you can get help with. Well, and and to that point, let's see. I, you're gonna you're gonna be amazed, Mike, at the segue, because um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that has been outsourced a lot or recently is things like fire drills. You know, having people come in and do fire drills, disaster drills, and so, things like that. That is a service that we are offering now as part of our our retainers, our general retainers, depending upon the tier that you get. Is we do offer uh, doing the drills for you coming in on a quarterly basis. So, Mike, you had your first experience uh, uh, with a, a drill. I, I recently. did. Talk I was, a little bit about that. Yeah, what I drills was, uh, did you do? I was uh, I got, got to accompany Alex, uh, yeah. you know, who is doing some training. Uh, obviously, uh, the old uh, guy? setups from the, yeah, the old guy <laughs> that does learning new tricks. So uh, I found it very well organized. Yeah, uh, he had a script along with the policies at the, the particular center. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, those were reviewed. Uh, then the drill was exercised. Fire drill was pulled. Uh, the staff executed it in a in an orderly fashion. Saw a few things that uh, you know Alex jotted down uh, yeah. as opportunities, but they you know w- w- was able to be performed in a short forty five minute window. Uh, and uh, we then went on to a code code blue uh, yeah. code again one one's required quarterly, uh, and just had a uh, you know an outstanding uh, nurse manager that would yeah. kind of led that and and was able to. Uh, you know, elicit information from her staff. I think I thought very key questions, and again performed. Uh, you know, in a forty-five minute time frame, and then uh, did the uh, MH. You didn't know thanks yeah. MH, <laughs> uh, which was a brand new uh, terminology for myself. Molecular <laughs> hyperthermia. Uh, but again, uh, the nurse manager followed the policy, had that that scenario set up, uh, and, and and again the uh, three exercises. Uh, my first experience with it. I went in, uh, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, and I thought a couple observations were made, but really mm-hmm. did a did a great job walking through it. So, and I hate to give Alex credit for anything, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I I will say when it comes to drills because he was yeah. he's where we started with yeah. us, and he yeah. has scenarios down. I mean, he has <laughs> so many. He has scenarios for things that nobody else would think of. <laughs> That's right, World War Three. <laughs> he has yeah. got a, a heck of a library. He really yeah. has done his research on what needs to be done yeah. and. Um, we're we're now able as a company to offer all sorts yeah. of things that you need. You know, I'm I'm glad yeah. you got to see it. Yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. was. And the point about about taking notes is so important because you, yeah. you want to show what you've learned from it. You don't want to have it just go so smoothly and and yeah, we, we did didn't great. Need the drill. You're you know. right. It says we did yeah. fine. Okay, yeah. well, no. So let's talk about to. what a good drill looks like since I've got. The experts here on what you know, what types of uh, documentation we should say, and I'll take it. You know, talk about from a survey standpoint. Uh, it's always good to remind people. Um, so a good drill is going to test. It's going to challenge you to find problems. Mm-hmm. That's why I, you do it. That's yeah. why you do it. Yeah, do not, not go in and fill the mandate. I mean, yeah. this is why you do it. Yeah, and this so it, it's a requirement, but challenge. Uh, people, you know, to do it. I, mm-hmm. I, I still remember, uh, it doesn't happen anymore because I don't allow it anymore, but we had a, a center who, uh, I happened to be there during the drill and, uh, they said fire drill and everybody left. And then out in the parking lot, the nurse manager was handing a clipboard around to sign off on it. And, and, and I'm sitting out there, I'm watching this whole thing and said, where's the discussion? You yeah, know, where what happened? What, mm-hmm. what was the scenario? Oh, no, we just called off fire drill and everybody left the building. Well, first of all, by the way, (laughs) leaving the building is not generally 
what you want to do during a fire drill if it happens while a procedure's going on. You know, what are you going to do? Just like leave leave the patient there. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The oxygen is running. It should be a problem. What could go wrong? (laughs) We're going to be right back. Yeah, and taking it seriously because, you know, I've I've seen some of the write-ups and they'll say, you know, people were just walking out slowly and they're talking and, and you really have to stress to them. You, we want to find what problems might come up in yeah. a real situation, and can we really get out of here quickly because you don't want to be learning it then. And the way Alex has these set up is that you sit with your staff and go over the policy, right. the way you have it written right now in your policy manual. This is what our policy says, and you do that before you ever pull the drill. Yeah. Then you do the drill and come back and say, hmm, okay, yeah. so did we follow this? We yeah. Should the policy Should be changed? Change Which right. could be it too. It's not that we yeah. screwed up. Right. We found a place where we need to review this policy. Mm. Otherwise, it's really just checking the weather outside. Yeah. You're not really doing well, anything. Well, and, and I was, Alex made sure of that as well. Each of those three drills that were done, you know, had that, that, uh, that policy mm-hmm. and, and, you know, tie in that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's he's made that a service that, that we're really good at now. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I just have to tell this funny story. So we were on vacation. Remember, we were on vacation in, uh, where were we? In Virginia Beach. Yeah. And we were in a hotel, you know, pretty busy hotel. And the fire alarms go off. Sue and I do what we do. We get on the elevator. Well, I don't, I, you think, we, not I don't think we got the on the elevator. elevator. I think we, we, we went down the stairs. <laughs> okay. we, t- we went downstairs. Sure. And we're outside. And we're alone. All by yourself. <laughs> And the only people that did it. The fire trucks are coming up. You know, I mean, it was a fire. Walk over and say anything. (laughs) Was it? It couldn't have been a drill, right? There had to be a fire. It was a real fire. Yeah, Yeah. we did find out later it was a small fire, but it was a fire in one of the floors. But we were the only people that responded. And we got up to them and they're like, "Are you like?" And we said something to the staff later, the desk staff, like, "Yeah, they weren't even with us." Shouldn't you have told us where to go or to stand? Is anybody aware? Like, has our society become so decent? Sensitized like, to this? I don't know. I felt like I was going to have to help the fire so trucks weird. get to wherever the fire was. Because <laughs> I didn't we even see anybody. We were the only one out there. Somebody had to direct. <laughs> I was ready to take charge. I don't know anything about a hotel. Does but this happen every day? But like, what, that's what the whole this? point is you got to take it seriously because you want to be prepared the day that it really happens. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen. <laughs> Something's going to happen. You know, somebody's going to cook popcorn and leave it in there too long. Uh, toast. Or God forbid, toast and popcorn. Yeah. Those are the things. Toast and popcorn. That's right. Get rid of that toast. Write a policy. I'm sorry, no, no toast. <laughs> and nor popcorn. Um, but take it seriously. Challenge your staff. You know, uh, don't do the same fire drill. You know, don't do it in the operating room every time. Don't do it in post-op. You know, get uh, every Don't do it section. at noon every day. That's right. It's got to be, yes. like, they actually look for, okay, we did it here at yeah. 7 before patients were here. Mm. We did it here at 5 when patients had gone home. Yeah. Great. You yeah. got to have one that was at noon. That was but, at 11. That, you know, they're yeah. going to look for that. Yeah, and if different staff... Try well, but, but you don't need shifts or things. Judy, like you don't that. need doctors to, to participate in oh, this, no, right? Just, I don't know. Yeah. They're too busy. Yeah. They'll make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we've actually seen in some of the surveyors who have actually uh, cited centers for not having doctors. You can't get all the doctors to participate because, you know, it's just, it would be a nightmare trying to do that. But at least if the doctor is there, document that he was there also and, and walk him through what he has to do during it. And that's the important part of the education is walk everybody through what you would do during a during a fire drill that's another thing alex said that you should involve these doctors in any of them yeah not mm-hmm. just a fire drill i mean there's yeah. ones where we actually need them like a code blue we need mm-hmm. them to be their incapacitated right. provider which is always a fun yeah. one to do. yeah got to have the provider in there or, you know, <laughs> <incapacitated. laughs> who's going to be incapacitated but even the, the ones that you don't think of naturally as clinical a flood a loss of yeah. fire alarm you know 
in, involve them because if it really were to happen, yeah, chances are they're like going to be there dots. too. You're right. We'd like, yeah, we'd rather they didn't burn to death. You know, usually <laughs> yes. under normal circumstances, yeah, probably not. Let them to burn <laughs> yeah. to death. Well, this has been a great talk. I really appreciate your uh, your time here. Uh, we covered a lot of topics. Just for those of you that are um, avid listeners, we're not doing the normal format here where we got a part two. We're just going to record this, send this off, and. Uh, you know, kind of do this, and then we are going to have we're going to we're going to report a couple interviews here, Sue, mm-hmm. while we're here trying to get some uh, insight from people. And there, so stay tuned because there's going to be a Texas Association meeting coming up, an Ohio Association, you know, special uh, um, podcast coming up. New York, we're going yeah, heading off to New York from here. Us, yeah, that's right. And if you are, we don't uh, have enough microphones for that. No. <laughs> Do we? That's what that big microphone <laughs> over oh, there okay. is. Oh yeah, we're well, uh, right in the middle of the table. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great just to sit around and have more. That Sue and I do so many of these things alone. You but know? Can I say that it was nice to just be the grown-ups? <laughs> <laughs> I think what? No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> because they probably don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, they're probably not listening. They never heard of any. <laughs> what Judy's yeah, referring okay. to is that, shall we say, we're some of the more senior yeah, yeah. individuals, yeah. experienced. Uh, what's the What's the uh, proper term? Experience. Old, old is the word. That's what <laughs> Not we the one I wanted to use. Yeah, and a lot of our a lot of our employees are you know are young. younger. Yeah, and yeah. and and the enthusiasm has been fantastic. And oh. that, I guess that's one way to end this is that as we're running into these challenges of staffing, and it's going to it's not just because of the pandemic. It's not just because of people, um, you know, refusing to get vaccinated. We are running into significant problems where you know people are, are retiring. We know that a lot of the nursing staff that are on are, um, you know, are, are getting up there in years and, uh, you know, have decided, you know, maybe it's time for me to kind of move on. You got to respect that. Uh, but that is getting, that's, I mean, that's why our nursing boot camps, our administrative boot camps are so popular right now is because we're seeing a lot of turnover. We've at our, we're, we're running a booth here and, um, we're handing out these flyers for the, uh, the administer the nursing manager boot camp, And that's, that's like flying off the, the table. Me. Um, but you know, I think, uh, um, the challenges that we have right now and trying to keep that staffing up and and finding ways to your point about our younger people of course we love them and they are yeah. the they are the the enthusiastic people i mean not that we're not enthusiastic we're obviously passionate about what we do but that youthful um uh, and energy. Yeah, yeah, that's the word, John. Yeah. Energy. Energy. Are a little lacking. <laughs> you right. made a good point. There was a nurse manager that came up to the booth just this morning, and and I apologize, I don't remember where she was from. Um, and you, not only did you tell her, you know, this is great. Yeah. It's four days. It's you actually went on to say, if there's someone in your center you'd like to see advance, yeah. that you'd like to mentor. That you don't have to be a nurse manager. You can be, you right. know, an heir apparent. You can be someone that's that's working that way. And I thought that's such a great idea, because succession planning is not yeah. something people do. You know what to do when something bad happens or somebody retire. You know, let's, yeah. let's just say somebody retires. Not or wins the lottery. Happens. That's even more. Like, yeah, I like that much better. Yeah, you know, think of those people that you want to. Yeah. Bring up a little bit. This would be perfect for that. We always start the uh, the, the nursing director conference or administrators conferences. How many of you, you know, spent three years training to become, you know, the nurse manager? Went through all this mentoring with uh, with everybody, and of course, maybe one person will speak. Usually, not during the nursing directors no. conference. Uh, how many of you found out? Yesterday, yeah. <laughs> that you're the How many nurse manager. Had a weekend? We're and, told on and a Friday, and on Monday you're it. So you had the weekend to yeah. think about it. 
So to that point, I think that things like this boot camp, uh, things just in general about getting people involved, you're all stressed out. I I'm, I'm, know I'm talking to people that are probably listening to us on the train or in their car, you know, on their way back and forth. It's doubtful that you're actually taking time out of your day to listen to this, uh, this podcast. Um, and uh, um, you so start thinking about people that are are so uh, that are very interested that are young too. You know, Sue, you and I, you know, we've got a couple of clients there that we've got some nurses that have just kind of popped in. You know, I've said I'm kind of interested in this whole thing, and you know, uh, and hopefully the nursing director doesn't feel threatened at all about this. They find that as an opportunity. Maybe they can become your infection control nurse. Maybe they can do your chart audits. Uh, maybe they can even. You know, I've suggested one of our centers to split the job of the infection control coordinator among a couple different people. There's no reason why. You know, I mean, you kind of have to have one infection control coordinator, but it doesn't mean that that infection control coordinator does all Can't of the infection minions. control work. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, oversight of your quality improvement program. Think about maybe you as a nursing director should have a, a quality control nurse uh, or even educational programs. We did that, you know, in the last center that I had before I did this full time. We had one of our nurses whose job, in addition to, you know, staffing the room, was in charge of all the educational programs. She didn't put them all on, but she was the one that coordinated with, you know, companies or even staff inside, you know, that had knowledge about it as to who was going to be doing those educational programs. You know, John, that's really important that you challenge <coughs> your staff, especially those that are interested, uh, you, you know, to, to prepare them for the next stage. Critical. I think I've said this already. That's how I want to end because we are, we're already uh, 47 minutes. Yeah. Imagine that. I've always felt very strongly that I encourage employees to tell me, okay, maybe I'm not going to stay with you forever. You know, maybe I've, you know, we have, we have one of your centers, Judy, there's, you know, a, an up and coming nurse manager mm-hmm. who, She's going to do a great – she's doing a great job at the center, but she's meant for bigger things. I mean, she's kind of told us she's meant for bigger things. That's okay. You know, be upfront about it. Give them the knowledge. While you've got them, enjoy the time that you have with them. Uh, You're probably going to get great things out of them. But be honest. You know, take advantage of, you know, what you get from that time. But but also recognize some of them are going to move on. But but use them and get them to help train the next generation. Constantly have this feeder out there for it. And as a nurse manager, as an administrator out there, don't feel like you have to do everything alone unless you really really don't have any choice. Uh, So think about that. Well, again, it has been a pleasure uh, having you here. It's been great uh, sitting around a table instead of in a closed-up studio here. And uh, we'll we'll talk again soon, maybe in uh, New York in in, in a couple days. In a couple days. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. But did you know that you can enhance your experience and support the free podcast by becoming a patron member? Patron members have access to ASC Central, an add-on service at a very reasonable price. Patron members have access to our regular drop-in virtual meetings where you can discuss issues that you are dealing with in your ambulatory surgery center with the hosts and other members. Members also have access to valuable member resources, including a, a document library with a growing list of resources, including the rules and regulations, guides to maintaining compliance, example policies and procedures, infection control resources, example risk assessments, example committee and governing body minutes, and over 60 disaster drill scenario kits and example forms and checklists. 
Members also have access to some of the virtual conferences that we have presented, including the Provider Credentialing Conference, which we offered in December 2020. It's a New World Conference in 2020, Infection Control in-Service to meet the challenges of COVID-19, and the ASC Mandatory Education Program, which is a valuable resource for annual education for your staff. Membership helps to defray the costs of producing the podcast, including the research staff, travel costs to conferences, equipment costs, and production costs. For more information, you may visit ASCPodcast.com. To become a member, visit ASCPodcast.com. We would like to thank our sponsors, Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, the nation's leading regulatory compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. This podcast has been an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.